0: Welcome to today's Community Cast. My name is Matt Morgan. I'm the pastor at Community Brookside, a new church plant in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We're so blessed by your presence, and we hope that today's content will bring you joy. So we're going to go ahead and jump into this morning's lesson. So here's the deal. I got I to do some preface uh, about the, the scriptures that we're going to read this morning. So this morning, we're going to be in a book that nobody really preaches on, okay? Okay not Zephaniah. It's not Obadiah. You ready? It's Hosea. Does anybody, you've heard that name in scripture? You know that's an actual Old Testament book. Yes, I hope. Okay. Uh, So Hosea was a prophet and he was a prophet shortly after uh, the kingdom of Israel was divided. We're going to talk about that in a second. But the conversation around Hosea is super duper weird. And I think all of us are of age that we can kind of talk through it honestly. Okay. So it's going to be weird, but have you, let me ask you this question before we get started. Have you ever been in a relationship that you could not trust the other person in that relationship? Anybody? Yes. Yeah. Right. So all of us, I think have been hurt by somebody, uh, somebody we dated or a friend, maybe even, uh, I'm going to talk specifically more about our, uh, intimate, most personal relationships with our girlfriends, boyfriends, wives, husbands, things like that. Um, but do you know that feeling in the pit of your stomach that you have doubt, like when you have doubt about the person that you're with, like the person you care so much about may not be as faithful to you as you are to them? Anybody felt that before? I have definitely felt that. And it's an awful feeling. And, and those particular type of relationships we know don't work out very often. Is that right? This kind of relationship is hard to be in. And when you talk about a long-term relationship, you can't Love someone who only loves you part-time, right? So today I want to look at a story in scripture that's going to seem really odd because God asks one of his prophets to be in that kind of relationship. And it's just weird, right? God asks Hosea to purposefully illustrate what God wants his people to know through his own life. And the point that, that Hosea shows us is that the people of Israel were not being faithful to God. So just to catch you up a little bit on the history of God's people, so this is the period uh, right after the kings, right? So we have the period of Israel where they're like in the wilderness and then, uh, you know, well, before that, the Uh, There's Abraham and then eventually all God's people get led into Egypt where they become slaves for 400 years. Then they come out of Egypt. They're in the wilderness before they inherit the land of Canaan, which is the the promised land, right? The land of milk and honey. Then after that, they have the period of the judges where they have groups of leaders who decide what's best for God's people. And then after that, they appoint their first king. Who was the first king of Israel? Who knows it? Who? Saul. Saul. It was Saul. Saul got ousted. Who was second in, in the line? David. Who was after David? Solomon. Solomon who was after Solomon? I don't know. Where's the candy? <laughs> Oh, sorry. That's right. I didn't. Usually I'm tossing candy. I should have, I should have brought some. Um, so after Solomon, things get super tricky because the kingdom of Israel splits, right? So no longer is there one King. There becomes kind of two Kings. So, uh, Solomon became the man that was going to build God's temple in uh, Jerusalem. And that became the capital for God's kingdom, uh, is right in the middle of Jerusalem. And the temple was a place where they got to worship God. So all of God's people came to offer sacrifices, to hear God's word read through the Torah. um, And uh, Solomon was super duper wise. He was wise in almost every area of his life. What area do you think Solomon was not wise in? That's right. It was women. Levi, how many wives did he have? A 1,000 altogether, he had 700 wives and 300 concubines, right? So this man loved ladies. All right, so he, uh, not only did he have all these women in his life, but when you're a king of Israel, your first responsibility, God has anointed you, this king, to lead the people of Israel into closer relationship with who God is. The problem was, once Solomon began to marry all these women, they were women not just from Israel. They were women from all over the ancient Near East, and they began to practice, uh, or uh, they were already practicing their own different religions. So he began, uh, he began to worship uh, the Sidonian goddess Ashtoreth, uh, the Moabite god Chemosh, and the Ammonite god Milcom, among many, many others, right? So the, the, the Israelite religion started picking up little bits and pieces of other things, Solomon became unfaithful to, to God, and he began to lead his people astray. And so, because of his unfaithfulness, the kingdom split. So uh, Solomon had a son that was going to be anointed king, and his name was Rehoboam. But there was another man who was the leader of the forced labor battalions who built the temple. They were forced. They were forcing the the, the tribes of the north to. Um, build the kingdom or the temple for God in Jerusalem. And so the leader of those forced labor camps was uh, Jeroboam. So we have Rehoboam and Jeroboam. It's just weird. You would think they'd be related like twin brothers, but no, one of them is the son of Solomon. The other one is a leader of kind of a ragtag group of people who wanted to rebel because it was forced labor. When they built the temple, they were using their own people as kind of these slaves. So the northern kingdom led by Jeroboam was called Israel, and the southern kingdom of uh, Judah was led by Rehoboam. The capital in the northern kingdom was, at first, Shechem, and then later on was moved to Samaria, right? We know this word Samaria. Who comes from Samaria? <laughs> Samaritans. Samaritans. And what do we know about Samaritans? Half-breeds. Half-breeds because of the north when it fell by the Assyrian government. They came in and kind of took everybody away and they brought in their own folks and they kind of mixed races and mixed religions and it became this kind of hodgepodge of not pure religion. And in the southern kingdom, the capital was still Jerusalem where the temple was. And the main reason that the period after the kings was so tumultuous was that the people of Judah recognized their brothers and sisters in the north, the Israelites, uh, they were not being faithful to God. They began to worship in Dan in the north and Bethel in the southern part of the northern kingdom. It's, it's kind of weird. I should probably show a map. I don't have one. So, uh, but the, the the worship became weird. They weren't faithful to God. And eventually, because of their disobedience, because they kept getting these leaders in uh, in place, Uh, that wanted to kill one another and take over control and be the leader and get all the gold and be popular and have fame, um, their kingdom fell. The people of the north fell away from what God wanted them to do. And as a result, their kingdom would come crashing down around them as the Assyrian army kind of came through. But God, being a God of love and of mercy, he wanted to send his people a warning before this all happened. Come back to me. Turn from your evil ways. Come back to me. He sent the prophets. It was prophet after prophet We're telling these people, you're doing wrong. God loves you. Come back. Your disobedience is why you're failing. You're, you're struggling so hard because you're not faithful to God. But instead of listening to the prophets, many of the people of the north ended up killing them and mocking them, beating them for the message that God asked them to deliver. And God sent a number of them to warn his people so that they would return to their first love. So we've talked about it already, but today's scripture comes from the book of Hosea. And Hosea was one of these prophets that the people of Israel would not listen to. His message was one that they didn't want to hear because how, how fun is it to hear that you're wrong, right? It's awful. How, how fun is it when somebody calls you out for your mess? It's not. And so the people do what? What are you saying? Uh, Exactly, right? We don't want to recognize that we have faults and flaws. And so the people of Israel who had at this point gone kind of off the deep end and they were no longer even close to what the Israelite religion was supposed to be, they didn't worship God wholly. They began to worship other idols and all that stuff. And so God was going to bring a message, guys, there's hope for you, but you're going to have to do a lot of work. They only started to really hear what Hosea was telling them about their adulterous relationship with God. When he himself followed God into some pretty weird territory. So let's hear about Hosea this morning from his words found in the Old Testament section containing the prophets. So he is considered what is called uh, a minor prophet. And he is listed in the first of the minor prophets. And they only call them minor prophets because they don't have like huge books like Isaiah, Jeremiah, Daniel. Those are kind of the big prophets. Okay. So if you've got your Bible and you want to follow along, it's Hosea. We're going to start in the very beginning in chapter one, verse one. If you don't, it'll be on the screen. You can follow along. And here's what the scripture says for us this morning. It says, the word of the Lord came to Hosea, son of Beri, during the, the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Where is Judah? Which kingdom? Is at the north or the south? South. Okay. And during the reign of Jeroboam, we talked about him, son of Joash or Jehoash, king of Israel. Israel is the north. Okay. So Israel north, Judah south. When the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, Go, marry a promiscuous woman and have children with her. For like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. What a strange calling. So he married Gomer. What a strange name. (laughs) Daughter of Deblame. And she conceived and bore him a son. Get ready for the names and how weird they are because here they come. Then the Lord said to him, or to Hosea, Call him Jezreel because I will soon punish the house of Jehu for the massacre at Jezreel. And I will put an end to the kingdom of Israel. In that day, I will break Israel's bow in the valley of Jezreel. Gomer conceived again and gave birth to a daughter. The Lord said to Hosea, call her lo Rahama, which means not loved. For I will no longer show love to Israel that I should at all forgive them. Yet I will show love to Judah, and I will save them, not by bow, sword, or battle, or by horses and horsemen, but I, the Lord their God, will save them. After she had weaned, lo Rahama Gomer had another son. Then the Lord said, Call him Lo-Ami, which means not my people. For you are not my people, and I am not your God. Yet the Israelites will be like the sand on the seashore, which cannot be measured or counted. In the place where it was said to them, you are not my people, they will be called children of the living God. The people of Judah and the people of Israel will come together. They will appoint one leader and will come up out of the land for great will be the day of Jezreel. This is the word of the Lord. Praise be to God. Be, thanks be to God. Any of those things would be fine. Like what? You want me to marry a promiscuous woman and then have children by her to just represent to Israel what they're doing? And his response is like, okay. And so he goes and marries Gomer, right? In this prophecy, God is telling Hosea that his relationship with his life or with his wife is going to be like the relationship that he has with the the Israelite people. His people will turn their backs on him and treat him like they don't care anymore. And God's response will have to be sharp in order to show his people how much he's hurt by the way that they're treating him. So let's talk about naming of children, right? Are you named after somebody in your family? Anybody in here? Yeah? Yes, lots of us, right? There's there's power when we name people. I'm named kind of partially after my dad. I have his middle name. He goes by Scott. Uh, his first name is Sherwood, which is why he goes by Scott. Uh, but my middle name is Scott, and my son's middle name is Scott. We're kind of passing down the awesomeness that is the Morgan genes, right? Names have power. We've talked about how our identity is sometimes wrapped up in names. Does anybody remember what the name Jacob means? Jacob and Esau, the story is about tricking his brother. What does his name mean? Trickster, Right? <laughs> There's power in names. And so here, when, when God is telling Hosea, name your firstborn after a massacre that happened in Jezreel, right? So, and I'll tell you some history about this. Jehu was a man who wanted to be king. And so he killed King Ahab, who was the king of the north, and every one of his descendants so that there was no more claim to the throne for Ahab's descendants forever, and then Jehu or Yehu, I guess, is actually how it's pronounced because it's the J and it's the silent J. So it's Yehu and it's kind of weird to say that. So I'm going to call him Jehu. But so, so Jehu killed an entire line of people so that he could take the kingdom. I'm going to name you after him in this valley that he killed all these people in as a reminder that everyone's going to suffer and have pain. That's awful. Then his daughter's name, not loved. Guys, could you imagine walking around your whole life and your name just means not loved? And that's not God saying it's because no one loves you. God's saying that because you have not loved me. You're not my people anymore. You've chosen not to be my people. I still love you, but I am not loved by you. And then the last name of his son means not my people. And this is not God saying it's I've chosen, I'm, I'm choosing somebody else. I don't want you to be my people anymore. It's not that it's you've chosen that you don't want to be my people. The people of the kingdom of Israel had forgotten God's word. They had neglected God's law so we've been talking you know, recently about what it looks like to live your life in the comments section. Can you imagine the comments about his family, right? Oh, that's that guy that married the hooker and had the babies that have terrible names. Not only did he marry a very promiscuous woman who cheats on him all the time, but he doesn't even know how to name his own children. People talk, right? They talk nowadays, but they really talked back then in that time. Because everybody had abandoned following God's laws. They didn't care if they hurt other people's feelings. They were just like, Hosea, that guy's an idiot. Look at his wife. Look at his kids, you know? And that chased him around everywhere he went. And the hard part was, for Hosea to get the message out about why he had done what he had done, right? Everybody knows when you named your child something weird, like Gwyneth Paltrow's kids, right? We all know that they have strange names. Apple, what are some of her other kids? Nicole, you know these, no? Moses. Moses? Okay, well, that's not so weird. But, I mean, when you start with Apple, (laughs) it's kind of odd. So when somebody names their kid something weird, we hear about it, we know about it, but we don't know the story behind it, do we? We don't know why Gwyneth Paltrow named her child Apple. And unless somebody tells the story of Hosea, nobody knows why he named his children what he named them. But people will talk in the meantime. The story of Hosea comes to us because God wanted the people he loved so, so much to have an example to look at so that they would know what it feels like to be unloved. The story of Hosea and his relationship with his wife there's a story, and I'll kind of update you on what happens to Hosea. So after he had these three beautiful children, weird names, but beautiful children with, uh, with Gomer, Gomer leaves him to go be with another man. And in those days, um, you would go to the man who can offer you the most. And eventually, they fell out of uh, infatuation with one another, and Gomer ended up coming to a slave's auction And then God tells him to go back and buy his wife. The Lord says to Hosea in chapter 3, 1 through 5, this is the third scripture down. It says, the Lord said to me, go show your love to your wife again, though she is loved by another man and is an adulteress. Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes which i don't get that reference so i i bought her for 15 shekels of silver and about a homer and a lethic of barley then i told her you are to live with me many days you must not be a prostitute or be intimate with any man and i will behave the same towards you for the israelites will live many days without king or prince without sacrifice or sacred stones Without ephod or household gods, afterwards the Israelites will return and seek the Lord their God and David their king. They will come trembling to the Lord and to his blessings in the last days. What a weird example of a relationship. God is acting out his relationship with the Israelites through a man's very love life. And I can't imagine having to buy your wife back from another person. Ladies, could you imagine buying your husband back from another man or from from another woman or whatever? It's weird, right? And that's the situation we find ourselves in. But God never gives up on his people. God is faithful to the Israelites, even though they were not faithful to him. Just like Hosea was faithful to God, even though his wife was not faithful to him. He becomes an extreme voice, an extreme example about how God's love runs deep and how God's grace is overflowing and how God's heart is broken because his people had turned away. But even in this story, he offers hope, right? He offers hope that even though the Israelites are bad, just like the story of buying Gomer back, God will never leave his people. God will buy them back. He will redeem them. He will make them his people again. And this is because we serve a God who is good, a God that pays the price so that we can no longer be slaves. We can be the bride of Christ. God continues to love us when we mess up. We've heard that, but now we've seen an example of it firsthand. He loves us when we don't have everything figured out. He loves us when we turn our backs on him. He loves us when we make mistakes. He loves us when we're unfaithful. And even in those moments, God keeps calling us too. God invites us back in a relationship with him, no matter how far we've gone, no matter what we've done. I had the coolest conversation on Wednesday night with our students. So we were in the book of Genesis and we are reading Genesis, we were recapping actually Genesis 1, 2, and 3, and we were going to read Genesis chapter 4. We didn't even make it more than one sentence into chapter 4 because these kids started asking some of the best questions I've ever heard. They were asking questions like, well, what does it really mean to be saved? What are we saved from? What is hell like? And then we got to talk about, like, why in the world our Christian faith has kind of shifted the message of hope, right? So when Jesus came to earth, he didn't come to earth so that you can convert people to what Jesus was saying. He came to earth so that we could do what Jesus was doing. The kingdom of heaven is not about conversions. It's not about spiritual notches on a spiritual belt. The kingdom of heaven is about loving our neighbor. The kingdom of heaven is about bringing justice and righteousness here on earth, bringing about the kingdom of God that is in heaven here and now. And so we had to talk to these students about what it looked like, how when you live under the law, you're punished by the repercussions of breaking the law. But then Jesus shows up in the world and he says, no, the law is really, really good, but there's got to be some grace at play here. So we talked about even when there are mistakes made, even when people do dumb things, which we do, Jesus shows grace. And so we had that conversation. You know, if you're anything like me when you're young, you had those questions like, okay, so what if I said a cuss word right before I die? Does that mean I'm going to hell? Anybody have those questions in your own hearts? Like, what if the last thing I did was sin against my neighbor? Am I going to hell because I did sin as the last thing? And then we talked about the grace of Jesus allows us to do stupid things sometimes as long as we recognize it, repent, and come back. And sometimes you'll make mistakes and you might end up dead right after a sin, but that doesn't mean you're going to go to hell for all eternity. Our kids are interested in what Jesus looks like in the grace of God. They're interested. They want to know. Our faith in God has become so convoluted today that we've taught our our kids that it's more important for them to fear losing heaven than it is trying to make our world as close to heaven as we can get it. Our focus is wrong. And the same thing has often gone on throughout our history. We lose our focus on the message of Jesus, the message to take care of those who can't take care of themselves, those who are neglected and left behind, to instead make our Christian faith about our own personal reward. We talk about faith as a way, well, I'm going to heaven, so I'm good. I'll go to church every Sunday morning, I'll tithe, I'll sit in my favorite seat, uh, and I'm good. But we forget that the message of Jesus is that our faith, our salvation requires us to constantly be on mission. We have got to tell the world about how good God is. We have got to share our salvation with others. You know what, guys? I'm I'm saved. Jesus loves you and he wants you to, to be with him forever, right? For many Christians, faith is solely about their own ability to get to heaven and that's where it ends, In Hosea's time, it wasn't even about an afterlife. It wasn't about attaining something after a person was dead. It wasn't even about a way to serve God anymore. Faith for the Israelites of Hosea's day was about having fun and fulfilling one's own desires. We talked about the different gods that Solomon began to worship, and they were even more. And some of these religious practices meant that even uh, at these pagan temples, they were um, concubines at, pagan temples. They become uh, more about ways to fulfill your fleshly desires than they do about serving any sort of deity, about doing any good for the world around you. Religion became this weird uh, place of feasts and festivals and fleshly sexual desires. It was weird. And God kept telling them, you guys are doing this wrong. You're missing what I'm trying to show you. Come back to me. If you've ever been cheated on, you know that it hurts. You know that it breaks your heart and you, you just live in this constant state of longing. Friends, every time that we turn our backs on the message of Christ, when we forget about who God is and what God wants to do in this world, it's, it hurts God just the same. And so as weird as the story of Hosea is, about the the illustration that his life becomes for the Israelite people, it's important for us to personalize the hurt of God when we are not doing what God asks. God's heart breaks for every one of us. So the story of Hosea and the image of love that God gives us through his relationship with his wife should serve as a reminder that our God is faithful to us, even when we're not faithful to him. So I've got three things I want you to take home from today. The first thing is there will always be people who are going to make comments about your personal life, even though they have no idea what's going on or what you're going through. So from the outside, I bet Hosea's personal life would have looked pretty strange for the people of his time, But it's not until you know Hosea's full story that you begin to realize that his journey was one that he was called to. From the outside, it would have looked to the world like Gomer was a floozy, and and together they were terrible at naming children. But as in most things, the outside appearance is not always what's most important, and it's never the full picture. Hosea had a calling to share with the world the love of God through his example, And as hard as it would have been for him, he did what God asked him to do. He was faithful and he was obedient to deliver the message of God of repentance to his people. So this story has to serve as a reminder for us that we shouldn't judge others and we shouldn't comment on their journey because we never know what's going on in their lives. We should instead be encouragers and we should seek to build people up no matter what they face. You never know when you might encourage someone in their calling, no matter how different their calling looks from your own. Secondly, sometimes God is going to ask you to do something that is uncomfortable or hard, but our faithful God has a plan for us. If you've ever ventured to read much of the Bible on your own, you may have noticed that God has a tendency to ask people to do some pretty incredible things. Think about it. We've heard the stories of Abraham, Moses, Jonah, Noah, Joseph, David, Samuel, all of the prophets. God asked all of them to do pretty incredible things. In each of these stories, God calls his representatives to act in ways that are strange to the world. But in every single one of those stories, God is faithful to those who follow what he directs. In every single instance where God asks someone to do something, God is with them from the beginning to the end. Sometimes it doesn't always feel like that. Sometimes it doesn't look like that. Sometimes it hurts in the middle of that journey, but God has never abandoned anyone who follows him ever. That's truth. And every one of these stories should serve an example of how much God loves us and that God wants to use all of us to impact others' lives. God's going to be faithful to us. He's going to walk beside us and continue to encourage us through whatever happens through the power of the Holy Spirit. And because of the story of Hosea and the dozens of others throughout the Old Testament and the scriptures, we should have a faith that God's plan for us is good. And the last thing, when we follow God wherever he leads, we set an example for others just like Hosea did. This is probably the most important part of today's message for us. If we live like we're supposed to live, if we follow Jesus and and live in the world actually like Jesus asks us to, we're going to encourage other people to do the same. Have you ever noticed that when people get together, they often do things that they wouldn't normally do on their own? Oftentimes people are influenced by the crowd that they find themselves with, right? So this could be both a good and a bad thing. Now, my dad was, when, when I was young, he used to tell me that I was the people I hang out with. So I should choose who I hang out with accordingly, right? And as I've gotten older, I realize that that's truth. We are just, we are the people that we associate with. Whatever group looks like, whatever your group looks like in total is what you look like individually, But on the whole, if we were all better at doing what we're supposed to be doing, then we will in turn encourage the small groups that we find ourselves in to draw closer to Jesus, to be more like Christ. If we as Christians, as followers of Jesus, can start being better influencers toward others through our faith rather than being influenced by others, then our world's going to look a lot more like the kingdom that God wants to create. We as Christians have the power of influence, so let's use it for good. So friends, this week and always, let us be the people that God has called us to be. No matter how difficult it is, no matter how strange it may seem to us, but more importantly, we have to influence others to be stronger in their faith as well. So as you go from this place today, remember the story of Hosea. Remember the lengths that Hosea was willing to go to to show God that he loved him and to bring the message of redemption to the people who lived in sin. Maybe remember the story of Hosea. And maybe we may we be willing to do what God asks of us. Let us be people who sacrificially give up ourselves in order to show the world how much God loves them. Thank you so much for joining us on today's Community Cast. We hope that you were blessed by today's conversation. If you'd like to know more about Community Brookside, please feel free to visit us at our website, communitybrookside.com, or find us on your favorite social media outlet. We hope to hear from you soon. Be blessed.